the hottest topic around at the moment. There's a skill shortage and the other one is the race to net zero or decarbonising the, the economy. I remember it's quite quite comical actually because the assessor actually turned around and asked Josh where he got his knowledge from and said to me, you know more about this standard than I do. Hello and welcome to the RKMS podcast. This series is going to be talking all about RKMS, who we are, where we've been, where we're going and a little bit about ourselves. And let's start off by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm John Keane. I'm the uh, the current chief executive uh, or managing director. Uh, I, I'm in charge of a company, effectively. And then uh, I have it's a family business. I have my daughter, who's our operations manager, Rebecca, and my son, who's our marketing manager and also a carbon consultant. He's just given him a new title, uh, is which is Josh Keane. I'm Rebecca, so as he's just said, I am the operations manager here, and I am the daughter. Yeah, I'm Josh Keane, uh, and likewise, I'm the son, uh, marketing manager, and now carbon consultant. <laughs> uh, so probably the first question to ask then is, how did it all begin? How did it begin? Well, uh, it's the third time in my life I've been made redundant, and I was looking around for a job, and I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I applied for a number of jobs, got offered quite a few interviews, and I actually got offered some jobs will be worth for me uh, and at the time I was speaking to somebody who'd just been made redundant or she'd left the business previously and she was working with a, a company implementing ISO 9001 a company called Rosewood Management Services which is be- which actually now is VR in the RKMS uh, I kind of met up with uh, one of the directors at the time and started uh, delivering consultancy uh, I've been doing that I was a health safety quality environmental manager for for a number of years for, for a large uh, American-based company. So I had quite a bit of a background in that, and we used to bring trainers in. And what I found was quite often I'd find myself jumping in because I wasn't happy with the standard of the training. Uh, and Joanne was the lady's name. She, she contacted me and said, why don't you work for yourself? You're great at doing this and doing that. Uh, and it, it kind of stemmed from there, really. Was this where the conservatory was born? That's your photo. Profile picture for many years what up until way? recently. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of like, yeah, I started working. It was kind of a part-time job. Uh, had a few other things on going on in the background as well at the same time. So I was doing a bit of property work, uh, et cetera. And I kind of uh, commissioned the, the conservatory for, for, for being the office, which, uh, as you know, your mother wasn't best pleased about. Uh, so then I converted the garage into the office, and then we outgrew that. Which she wasn't best pleased about. Uh, she wasn't best pleased about <laughs> even now. So in the end, we, we moved to where we got our first office, which was uh, our, uh, to an old art, de- art deco building on the, 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 the seafront at Blackpool, the Solaris Centre, opposite the world's biggest disco ball. Uh, we were in there for about five or six years. Uh, and we grew a little bit more, and then uh, we grew some more, and then now we're in a bit where we are now. Yeah, it was fun, that Solaris Centre in the middle of winter, 100 mile an hour winds, trying to get out of your car. <laughs> yeah. Get, 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 <laughs> literally get, couldn't open the door. Getting your face sandblasted, and, yeah. and the wind turbines had to shut down because it was too windy. <laughs> so in the beginning, when RKMS was born, what was the first sort of offerings that you, the services, product? When I was working with Rosewood Management Services and I purchased the company, the main products were ISO 9001, a little bit of health and safety, and investors in people. They were the, the key sort of standards, if you will. I decided from day one that I wanted to grow that a little bit, and we expanded into 14,001, 45,001 as it's known now, which was previously 18,001. And then also we, we identified that there was a, a good market for training. We started off quite small, really. Uh, I mean, as today, we've expanded that's where we now offer 
uh, advanced apprenticeships in sort of level four quality practitioner qualification, which gets you the, the route to the CQI membership. We also offer a lot in, in lean management, lean manufacturing operative, improvement technician and improvement practitioner qualifications. We're a Highfield Award Centre uh, for delivering qualifications uh, in things like uh, statutory requirements, sort of first aid, health and safety. Uh, fire safety is a big one. We've done some food safety as well. And the main qualification we have at the moment is level three effective auditing, inspection and skills qualification, which is kind of a it's kind of, a, of a, an in-between. You've, at the moment, you've either got uh, a non-accredited, which is a, just a certificate awareness certificate uh, which a lot of companies are offering uh, and then or you've got the the IRCA or IEMA qualifications which are quite expensive and they're quite detailed and advanced so we kind of like we we found a market there where there's a a need in the middle where it's to say a one day or a two day training course but gives you a a actual recognised qualification but gives you the skills and techniques to be able to undertake internal audits You've done it before as well, haven't you? Where you go in and you can create it so bespoke for a client. So you'll you'll actually create the program around their sort of procedures, and you will audit their procedures as well. We do, we do. We've got one client in particular. They'd probably be happy if I name them because they've given us a case study and what have you. It's a large uh, engineering manufacturing company called Sulsa. And what we've done is we've kind of adapted the the program specifically for them. So we deliver it over a two day course. We've we've delivered it in in various venues. Uh, the the main office, which we've got uh, off site, which I should say is in Leeds. Uh, we've delivered it in Birmingham. We've delivered it in Falkirk, and we've delivered it in hotels up and down the country. Yes. Uh, in fact, I think we're running a training course next week, and that will put the number of people we've trained to over one hundred, which is some going for it for a business. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so you mentioned ISO standards there. So nine fourteen forty five. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's various others. Just for obviously for people that are aware or maybe not aware of what mm-hmm. those numbers are, yeah. What is that in English? <laughs> <laughs> in in used to say uh, a Queen's Award for for playing English. It's now it'll now be the King's Award for for playing English, won't it? ISO is the International Standards Organization, and what they do is they develop standards for management systems. So it's a way that you operate. So for instance, ISO nine thousand and one is the International Standard for Quality Management. So what that means is we as a company operate in a certain way we make sure that we uh, we record incoming inquiries we provide quotations or proposals to clients and what we do is we we're bound by that standard to, to be able to deliver what we're saying we're delivering uh, so in other words we check that we've got the right competence we've got the right skill set we've got the right materials we've got the availability and we can meet the customer's needs that's all part of contract review and that's what ISO 9001 is about it's about making sure you're able to meet your clients needs and expectations in, in reality it's about enhancing that and exceeding their needs and expectations making them and you want to back to you yeah 14,001, again, it's an ISO standard. That's more about protecting the environment. So it's about reducing the amount of uh, raw materials that we use, the amount of waste that we generate, the pollution that's generated for what we do, the emissions to the atmosphere. Then when we've got 18, uh, sorry, 45,001 now, <laughs> use the old terminology there. Uh, ISO 45001 is an occupational health and safety management system. So all that means is we assess the risk to our employees, to people that we engage with, the general public. We look at what risks are associated with how we operate and what impact that could have on them. So we are making sure that we don't cause injury or, or ill health to the general public or to the people that are involved or affected by our activities, you will. So quality is all about protecting the customer, Environmental standards are all about protecting the environment, and 45,001 is all about protecting people. Yep. 
Okay, so why would a company want these standards? Why would they need them? What relevance is it? There's a, a number of reasons. Firstly, and what we love to, to, to come across, is a company wants to improve the way that they operate. So they want to use it as a catalyst for improvement. And that's the best way of implementing the standard because you've got the buy-in and everybody's interested in it. One of the other reasons why companies come to us is because their clients are demanding it. They're saying, unless Bell has ISO 9001, you'll not be able to tender, you'll not be able to work for us. Uh, and the same with 14,001, 45,001, and, and more increasingly 27,001. So they will find it's a barrier to, to business if they don't have those standards in place. You talked about... 9, 14 and 45, so what is 27? 27,001 is, again, it's an international standard, and my international standards for information security. So basically what it is is you're making sure that uh, you're taking simple steps to, for instance, you don't leave uh, computer screens visible from, from external windows, for instance, so people can't see personal identifiable information, that you're protecting data, that you, you've done all the measures that you can to prevent being hacked, uh, getting malicious software uh, put onto your server or onto your systems so that it, it creates a problem or even worse, you spread a virus to your clients. Yeah, it's not just ISO standards as well. There's also PASS standards or UKCA marking. Mm. Um, You'll know all about PASS. Yeah, PASS 2060, carbon neutrality. Yeah, that's where I got my new title of carbon <laughs> consultant from. It's not just that I've just been winged into it. I do have knowledge of it. <laughs> it's just not my primary role. You're the, you're the PASS oh. guru. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then certain things like you'll probably come across ISO standards and PASS standards without you even knowing about it. Um, UKCA, UKCA marking affects most people in the day-to-day -day without them realising so most iPhones I don't think it's everyone but most iPhones most people have got them if you flip it over and look at the back it'll have a CE mark or a UKCA mark on the back of it that's basically mm -hmm. driven from legislation that certain products have to be put through tests against certain standards children's toys yeah there's loads of different things structural steel which is EN1090 mm -hmm. uh, this, there's various things that you that ISO or PAS or CE marking effects in day-to-day -day life that you're just absolutely not aware of. That's what it's all about. It's it's effectively driven to make sure there's quality or protection in place. You say about things that you're not aware of. I would say before I started in the company, I wasn't aware of what you did. <laughs> <laughs> when I got asked what you did, I used to say, oh, he's in computers. <laughs> and they used to go mad. <laughs> Nothing to do with computers. <laughs> Technically, 27,001 is a little bit. And also, as a smart system, the online solutions. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we, we have moved in to, to build our own online software solutions. Uh, we partnered with somebody who's quite good at that. Uh, and ISA Smart was born really from, from looking at other systems that were out there. Uh, as a third party, party auditor, myself and a lot of the team used to go out and audit all sorts of different companies day in, day out week in week out and we would see various systems in place and we would see you know so let's, let's face it we, there was some good stuff there we saw some great uh, applications and we saw some that, that weren't so great uh some that had been you know obviously written by somebody who didn't really understand iso standards or what was required so what we did is we we set about developing product that would be enhanced the, the you know the experience of the customer but also help to comply with the standards and through the experts input that we've had from myself and some of the team we've able i think we'll be able to develop that and we, we you know i think we've got a pretty good leading leading edge bit, bit of software actually that, that can compete with anybody else's software and in most cases i would say it's better and it's more to come um, yeah. there's more mm -hmm. to come 
we're, we're constantly developing that. Uh, we're constantly looking at adding value as opposed to cost or expense for clients. And you open that up to clients as well for any ideas, feedback or anything? It's yeah, yeah. yeah. And even, even this morning, yeah, even this morning, we, yeah, we, we're talking to a legal practice this morning who's quite a large uh, PLC legal practice. And one of the things they said that they wanted to do was look at the, uh, the case management and the audit of case management and could we develop a module that would allow them to maybe answer the questions and then get some uh, analysis and data from it so they can, they can maybe give it a percentage score of compliance when we do it. So we've got a bar to aim for and benchmark against. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's something that we can absolutely do. We can develop uh, software modules based around clients' needs. That's something we try and do across the board, isn't it? Try and sort of slim, uh, yeah, sort of streamline everything, condense it all so that it's, you're not looking at sort of 5,000 pieces of paper. It's all sort of in one place and yeah. everything is kind of kind of covered so we yeah. that, that approach we kind of take sort of the lean management sort of approach don't we yeah yeah we we do we try and we always say we practice as we preach the analogy of kiss isn't it keep it simple silly billy <laughs> <laughs> so we try and do it that way we why write five thousand words and over 20 pages of a4 when somebody wants a, a one sentence or a paragraph that we need so we keep it short as, and as sweet as we can so that people can read it find the, the relevant information if it needs to be a little bit more detailed, then we'd put that in the work instruction. So instead of having a procedure that contains, say, 10 work instructions, we'd have one three-page procedure and 10 pages of A4 separate and point out to it. So if it's how do you input data, rather than having to read through everything in that procedure, they can just basically click on that link and open up how do you input data and mm-hmm. get get the, the fingers on the information. And you're nice. looking for then, looking for how to input data. You're not searching through pages and pages yeah, and exactly, exactly. Talking about topical subjects you mentioned about uh ce marking and ukca before there is a piece of is european legislation but it was adopted by the uk uh which is a construction products regulations you mentioned en 1090 earlier and that's a european uh, requirement for structural steel now in the uk we don't really have a problem with pore welding and we don't really have a problem with seismic movement either however in other places in europe there is a problem with welding and there is a problem with earthquakes and seismic seismic, seismic movement so therefore, they have to be manufactured in a certain way that's going to withstand that. Uh, so that's an example. Another example, obviously, this issue recently with Raki, you know, the, uh, the aerated concrete within schools and public buildings. It was a cheap product at the time. It was cheap to manufacture, cheap to install, and it helped do a lot of building in sort of like the 1950s, 1960s. However, the, the CPR now, there is a standard, a known as probably an EN standard, a European norm which can become an ISO standard, it can be a British standard, or it can be a German standard, a DN, etc. There will There is a standard for concrete lintels now. So basically, if you manufacture concrete lintels, you have to make them to a certain standard. Those standards weren't around 50 years ago. So that's why, as, as a, you know, you, you don't hear about standards, but they're there and you're affected by them every day of your life. Now, in 50 years' time, you're so likely that concrete lintels are going to sort of fall apart the same as as we've seen recently. So is there anything that's sort of hot, hot topic for any companies that they should be looking at at the moment? I would say probably the the, the, the hottest topic around at the moment. Uh, there's, there's two mainly. There's a skill shortage and the other one is uh, the race to net zero or, or decarbonising the, the economy. I've attended a few round tables recently, uh, one at BAE Systems, and they were basically saying that the way that you can add value in... in, in uh, or say add value or add 
crude prudence or crudence to what you're doing is to give them data and the data is all around carbon it's becoming difficult to work with large companies now if you're not measuring your carbon you've got for instance we just work with a laundry who's uh, applying for an nhs contract and the government state that uh, if you have more than five million pounds a year in public funding then you need to have a carbon roadmap and you need to be looking at net zero by 2040. this particular company don't have five million pound but they've had to answer all those questions and they've had to prove they've got a carbon roadmap. So although the threshold is officially 5 million, in reality, it's, it's a lot lower than that. And, and certain uh, larger contracts are cascading that down because if they're getting more than 5 million pounds in public sector funding, then they've got to demonstrate that. So they've got to go to their supply chain. So in theory, uh, even small business are going to be affected by this shortly. And it may be that you, you can't even tender for somebody unless you've got a carbon roadmap. Yeah. We've seen it quite a lot in tenders that we've come up against, um, not even government contracts, mm-hmm. uh, tenders that are asking for it. Um, and what you touched on there is obviously uh, the procurement, public uh, procurement notice, uh, 0621 PPN. Do you think current sort of recently, Rishi's sort of plans, bit of a roadblocks in place, cutting back on that, would that, would that affect the PPN, 0621 or any future? I, I don't think that will affect it. Uh, the reason for that is that the institutions are, are bought into it and they're committed towards it. Uh, and I know that there was a talk of, you know, let, let's roll back the uh, the the, the out of electric vehicles or, or net zero vehicles, should I say, zero emission vehicles. That, I think, was more of a capacity of a national grid and the ability to be able to do that. Uh, I think the, the goal is still there. It's still to decarbonise uh, the, the economy as much as we can, but we've got to do it in a sustainable way. And if we stop selling diesel and petrol cars tomorrow and everybody went to electric, there would be a shortage. <laughs> there would be a shortage of electricity as well. Uh, so I don't think at the moment these things will significantly affect it. I think there's massive buy-in and there's massive pressure throughout the world uh, to, to reach net zero. And, and Britain wants to be seen as a leader in that. And uh, I think, if anything, it's only going to strengthen going forward the, the requirement for, for for being carbon neutral, if you will. Uh, I think the, the, the areas that might be affected by that and where you've got to be careful of is there's been some high-profile cases of what we call greenwashing recently. So you've got some pretty big names, uh, HSBC, uh, you've had Lufthansa that have been accused of greenwashing. Now, I'm sure they've gone into everything thinking they were doing the right thing. Uh, but as we know as a company ourselves, we, we committed to, to becoming net zero. And we're not net zero yet. We've still got work to do. However, we're, we are carbon neutral. And, well, you know yourself. I mean, yeah. you're our, you are our carbon consultants, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you saw the level of uh, the level of evidence that's required. Yeah through third-party certification it's really involved yeah yeah it's not just a case of doing it yourself and then sort of saying look we're carbon it's some third parties coming in with a max absolutely no i mean we we were approached by some pretty big names that have got become carbon neutral and and at first we were a little bit reticent to take them on weren't we uh however knowing what we know now with some of the names that we've worked with uh we've worked with the high street bank for instance uh we've got them uh carbon neutrality we know the level of evidence as you say is incredibly higher than it is for somebody just coming along and saying yep yeah, okay ms i'm happy that you've you've measured your carbon and you're reducing it yeah it might it might be that they actually come come across and obviously just sort of plaza they actually are legitimately coming in and going yeah that's fine yeah but they don't have the likes of a ucas breathing down the neck and scrutinizing, scrutinizing what that is the, the procedures yeah. and the processes yeah. that are in place uh, the panel yeah. reviews it's yeah it's completely different it's yeah 
Oh, we had five people in, did we not? <laughs> <laughs> when we had us, five people in there in doing that. Yeah. We we did actually. I remember it's quite quite comical actually because the assessor actually turned around and asked Josh where he got his knowledge from and said to him, <laughs> "You know more about this stand up than I do." <laughs> it was actually his words, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, and and the assessor, I've not known the assessor for years, and he's quite competent in what he's doing as well. It was me late nights reading and researching and learning. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Really, yeah. the quicker you can do that reading and learning, the quicker I can retire. <laughs> you read, I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so where do you see sort of the future of the business going? What what's kind of your thought? process behind that uh well we've we've put a succession plan in place as you know i mean uh you, you know you're our operations manager josh is a marketing manager stroke carbon consultant <laughs> i i see it you know it, the, the problem with consultancy is it's not something you can just say i want to be a consultant and then tomorrow you become a consultant mm-hmm. uh, it needs to have you need to have a, a very good broad uh, background knowledge in it in different various industries and that doesn't happen easily. I've been quite lucky in my career path. I've worked in manufacturing, I've worked in electronics, I've worked in production, and I've worked in uh, chemo- chemicals and what have you, and I've owned a bakery and all sorts of little, little things like that kind of help you know how processes work and, and how things work. And obviously, you know, we, we've got the, the program at the moment where you're, you're doing a bit of shadowing, uh, Josh is doing a bit of work with the, the carbon stuff, and that fits quite well with his skill set, you know, we've been a bit of a bean counter. So he can <laughs> sit there, he can look at the uh, the numbers and he can crunch them, and that, you know, and then, and then your kind of, your personnel skills of working with people, we can we can get you in there working with clients and, and looking at uh, how we can make improvements and what have you that way for, for clients. So basically we're going to build the world. Jeez, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs>